Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hello and welcome everybody into the Sun Solar Panel here on YouTube Live or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Espo Ahoy Hoy. I'm Dave King. I'm Saul Bookman. There we go. Jumping in, I was going to give him an introduction. <laughs> a very special guest, uh, Saul Bookman, on the show today. A man that if you watch his social media channels, if you pay attention to them, you think his job is to uh, barbecue and smoke meat. That is not the case, though. He is the host of the Total BS Podcast. Saul, uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So we got. Know, yeah, we are for for those of you who aren't a hundred percent sure what's going on and where Tim is. Uh, Tim retired a couple of weeks ago, and so Espo and I are going through some of our favorite people in the in the Phoenix market and seeing who actually gets along with us and to see if anybody is willing to actually hang out with us on a regular basis. Yeah, and, and, and here we go. They- See if they actually respond to our text messages. So Saul was <laughs> the one who did step. this week. So that's why <laughs> why he is here. Dave, why don't you tell everybody what is coming up on today's show? Absolutely. Um, on today's show, we got a number of topics. You know the Phoenix Suns are in the offseason. They haven't played in a month, but... By God, we always have stuff to talk about here on the solar panel. Uh, first thing we're going to do is we're going to we're going to come up with some unlikely and random uh, things to talk about regarding the NBA finals that are currently ongoing. This is Saturday morning. They just had game five last night, and it's a three two split on the game so far. We're going to talk about how the Suns are related to that. We're going to talk about Booker selling his home. Oh, my God. Booker sold his home. He's going to insist on a trade. Uh, we should revisit the, um, are we going to revisit the point book option this off season? Who is Ricky Rubio's successor? Maybe it's a 23 year old who's on the roster right now. Which position is the most important to fill this off season? Could be decided by whether they go with point book or not. We got Espo's big board. It's a new segment. He's got a, he's got a new, um, top five list or something like that. Every single week, he's going to be debuting, um, a whole new list every week. And then we are always going to interact with you guys in the chat. We are always going to respond to your questions on Facebook and uh, inside these chats. Uh, we're live on all the different platforms. Espo is monitoring all those questions. So if we don't get to any of those questions, that's Espo's fault. So just blame him. Don't blame me. I'll answer whatever I can. And I want to say good morning to everybody who's already in our chat. Uh, we've already got... Um, a few dozen, a couple dozen people anyway in the chat. Uh, good morning, Blaze. Good morning, Tim. Tim has retired to the stands. That's awesome. Um, Nathaniel Jackson and David Bailey and and all the all the people who are in the chat already. Good morning to you all. And everybody listening on the podcast just went, okay, time to turn this off. Dave's just reading names. Uh, sorry to those. Of I want to recognize the people who go out of their way to get on our podcast at 7 a.m. Phoenix, Arizona time. You deserve well, recognition, folks. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't Blaze on the East Coast now? Uh, it's 7 a.m. Phoenix time. I didn't say Blaze got up early. I just said we did, and we appreciate him being here. Yeah, well, most of these listeners are probably in Australia or someone like that, somewhere UK, but I'm happy for it. I just want to say I was the first Saul. I, I The Better Call Saul thing, like his name is Saul Goodman. My name is Saul Bookman. It's like, oh, my gosh. Are you weird. sure you didn't come up with that? On after, I, I, mean, after I, I think Goodman. I should get royalties from this for sure. <laughs> but, you know, I was first. I was absolutely first, even before the Seinfeld library detective guy. Uh, Steve Berthume said that on air one time for Fox Sports Arizona, and that's what he called me. And I was like, dude, I want to punch you in the throat. <laughs> you set me up for failure, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that that would have been a very, a very good choice for your career, much like being a guest here on the Sun Solar Panel. Probably also not a great choice for your career. But glad I, to have who knows? You, you might have been love, a school nerd and, and you were walking down the hall one day and you're probably like, Saul Book, man. You know, you read well, books. My, no, my, my sister's name, middle name is Rita. And so when you say her full name, it says Babetta Rita Bookman. 
<laughs> I mean, better read a book, man. Uh, yeah. And so uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure she's a librarian. She also, a full disclosure, my parents are deaf, so phonetically they couldn't sound it out. And so that's just how it went down, man. Wow. Bad luck. Bad luck. Yeah. I'm sure kids were very kind and not cruel to your sister uh, growing up. I'm, I'm sure. sure. That'll read a book, man. Oh, so, <laughs> so enough about Saul's family tree and, and Dave giving him a hard time about it. Let's talk I some sun here. I, you know, I, one thing we can say is since Tim uh, went away, things get off the rails a lot quicker because I am both uh, trying to host <laughs> this thing, produce this thing in the background. So it's a, uh, it's unique, but let's hop into the first topic, gentlemen, as I don't think it's we are going to talk on the rails, Dave, to uh, go let's, off. Uh, Dave, uh, I'm speaking to, uh, to quote <laughs> our uh, potential vice president, Dave, I am speaking. <laughs> Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about our first topic here as the NBA finals are still going on. Yeah, that's right. They're still going on because Markeith Morris, uh, did what he uh, did for years or in Phoenix and made a dumb play, uh, that cost the Lakers a chance to close out the series in game five Friday night against the Miami heat. So the finals are still going on as of the time of recording of this. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of topics we can talk about Mark. Keith being one of them in this segment, but I also want to know, guys, how many of the current Suns do you think actually could be uh, playing in these finals that have the talent that are good enough to uh, to be playing in these finals over some of the guys uh, on these rosters, both for the Lakers and the Heat? I think it's an interesting question, uh, even though Dave's the one that came up with it. Uh, and when, when you look at it, uh, the Lakers' top half of the roster are obviously stacked but back half is questionable at best, which is why you wind up with Markeith Morris as one of your five players in the final uh, second uh, trying to close things out. Uh, and then you look at Miami, and I think they're, they're a much deeper team, uh, but I don't know if their talent uh, is across the board as good as some of the guys on the Suns team. So, Saul, why don't we start with you since you're the guest and – we pretend to be polite here on the Sun Solar Panel. Uh, how many of the Suns do you think could wind up playing uh, in this finals, if uh, talent-wise? Well, I think uh, a couple of them. Uh, right, the the ones that stick off or stand out right off the bat, uh, Mikhail Bridges, I think, would be a perfect fit for Miami right now, uh, especially his ability to guard multiple positions, shoot the three, uh, especially bubble Bridges, uh, because I think the way he played in the bubble was just outstanding. So the Miami Heat for sure could have used him. The, the Lakers definitely could have used him, uh, especially if you see Danny Green in $14 million a year shooting a three that can barely touch the front of the rim last night. Oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, that was rough. That was rough. Was. Aaron Baines would be a nice little touch um, for some, some spot minutes for either side, especially for Anthony Davis. Uh, when he comes out of the game to ha still have that perimeter threat from from a big man because they don't really have a big man option outside of him uh, from the perimeter. So I think that would be a good one. And then obviously, I mean, the, the most obvious one would be Devin Booker. I could have thrown DeAndre Ayton in there, but I hesitate to do that because mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of role he would have on either side. I, you know, he's still working on that perimeter game. Um, and though I do think he is, he's got a little bit, uh, more athletic ability for your normal big. Um, he doesn't have Bam Adebayo flexibility when it comes to guarding multiple positions yet, um, and I don't I don't know if he ever will. But um, you know he's shown the propensity to be able to defend multiple positions from time to time, but not on a consistent basis like Bam has. And so that's why I kind of hesitate to throw DeAndre Ayton in there because I would oh, be a defensive liability. Them fighting words, Saul. I don't know. I love DA. Hey, I love DA. Show. You know I love DA. I mean, no, you don't. If you're not going to play him over Markeith Morris, good fucking <laughs> lord. How dare did, the, you? The say question you was how many of these guys Morris. could play. <laughs> Trust me, I would definitely play him over Markeith Morris, but I was thinking more of like total big picture. Sure, Markeith sure, sure. Morris wouldn't even play if I was the coach. Period. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's I, the problem, though. And 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 Espo alluded to it. And the reason I put this on our on our to do list to talk about was um, there is you you focus on the on the top ends. You focus obviously LeBron James and Anthony Davis are two of the top five players in the entire league 
right now. You've got Jimmy Butler, who's probably in the top 10. Certainly the way he's playing is definitely in the top 10, possibly uh, in today's NBA um, and possibly uh, um, top 10 overall. So, you know, you've got that top end and Bam Adebayo, all-star this year. Great. Wonderful. But as as Espo said, and the reason I put this on the list is is the Lakers are playing um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, who admittedly he's playing very well. But I mean, they were touting him as one as like maybe the number three on the Lakers after a fifteen and five game. You know, I mean, there's only so much, there's only so deep that these Lakers go. Kyle Kuzma. Jesus, I would play as, uh, let's see, Fabio in the chat says, I'd play Kaminsky over Kuzma. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody in the chat also said Ty Jerome over Alex Caruso. I don't know what <laughs> Ty Jerome we're watching, but uh, no. Yeah, no, Alex Caruso, I don't on- care how many depends Alex Caruso puts in his pants because <laughs> that dude's got the biggest butt for a white boy I have ever seen. Uh, he is better than Look, Ty Jerome. He, I think Fabio was simply talking about when we're speaking follically, we would go Ty Follically, yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah, Ty Jerome got a lot go. more hair. <laughs> yeah, so, but let's go down to the bottom end of the right. You've got Danny Green, who I don't, He's. He, I think he's injured. I heard something about he's got a uh, hip hurting him and, that does make it tough to play basketball, but dude looks, he's looking kind of old. Um, you've got uh, Rajon Rondo is playing very well, but man, I, I tell you, there are a lot of Phoenix Suns that I would play over Markeith Morris and over Alec, you know, Alex Caruso. And so you've got, you've got uh, depth issues and I would definitely look, man, you're not going to convince me that DeAndre Ayton should sit in the NBA finals when Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn are playing for Miami. You don't have to have a total plan on offense. You just got to have a coach who puts you in position to do uh, some things offensively and then play defense um, like your hair's on fire. And DeAndre Ayton doesn't even have to try. I mean, the dude obviously has a little bit of a low motor as far as emotion on his face and focus and stuff like that. But that dude is so talented defensively. I can totally see him playing 30 minutes a game in the finals for either of these teams right now because he is so mobile on the perimeter. I mean, the one thing, one of the reasons that the Lakers are so um, effective in these playoffs is that they can put Anthony Davis on anyone, anywhere around the, around the court. Same with LeBron James. They can defend the perimeter. They can defend the post. They can weak side block, block shots and all that. And I'm not saying that Deandre Ayton is at Anthony Davis's level. Almost nobody is, but I'm saying he can do those kind of things. The reason Miami needs um, Bam out of bio so much right now is more defensively than then offensively, they do need his threat going to the rim, and that does draw defenders away from perimeter, um, away from the perimeter, and gives their shooters more room to shoot. You can tell Aunt Bam is not full speed right now, or he'd be diving to the rim a lot. Plus, without Gord, who's his, who's his biggest pick and roll um, uh, distributor, obviously, um, that makes it tough for for the Miami Heat too. But there's a reason Duncan Robinson had an awesome game on Friday night, but there's a reason he is so well guarded these days is because the Miami Heat doesn't have anyone drawing defenders to the rim with somebody diving. Um, and so you do need someone like a DeAndre Aiden. Kelly Oubre would be very good in the finals right now. I'd play him... Uh, I'd play him every single Kyle, Kyle Kuzma minute. I'd play him every single uh, um, Andre Iguodala minute. I'd play him every for the other side. I I I would definitely play. I'd, I'd even give him a lot of Jay Crowder minutes. Uh, Mikel Bridges for sure uh, would play in the NBA Finals right now. Aaron uh, Aaron Baines would play in the NBA Finals right now for sure. He'd be getting 10, 15. He'd be, the the Suns would be half a dozen players on their team. The entire roster would play for the Lakers. The entire roster would play for the Lakers. Yeah. Outside of AD and LeBron, the entire roster. I was just mentioning my few standouts, so that way I left some for you guys. <laughs> Thanks. No, <laughs> Thank no. you, so no, it's, all a, that, it's all good. It's all good. I'm a team player. I'm a team player. Well, look, <laughs> the, the Lakers are basically a Netflix movie, all right? You have two stars and then a bunch of people you've never heard of that are fillers. Like that's the, that's the whole Netflix model because you get people in the door with the big stars uh, on these films. Uh, you know, and that's that, that's the was the Lakers' whole plan. I hate I hate the fact that we're hearing oh, oh we got to praise the Lakers. Oh, Rob Palinka's a genius. 
anybody that can get two of the top four best players in the game and put them on a roster together right. uh, is doing pretty uh, pretty good, and well, it's pretty easy work. And there. I argue that it wasn't really Palinka who got Anthony well, Davis no. to the – and it wasn't Palinka who got uh, LeBron either. No, yeah. That's why yeah. he didn't win executive of the year. Look, These other that's, executives that's 100% true. I mean, <laughs> I, LeBron and and Clutch Sports got, uh, got AD mm-hmm. uh, to the Lakers, but then you look at the rest of that roster, and uh, there's, and, there's and only two guys. It's there's really... only two guys. There's only two guys that were actually drafted by the Lakers on that entire roster. Yeah, yeah. that's well, just you know that's just L.A. for you right there. That's what they do. <laughs> they just recruit yeah. free agents, and then that's and then they claim like they're the the world champions. I'm like, come on, man. You had to you had to throw a lot of money a lot of different ways. Uh, and I most and I still most don't understand part... why people like L.A. Period. Like well, L.A. Look, is it... the worst city in the world. To your point, yep. and most most of their parts aren't their own, so that's very LA uh, as well. Uh, you know, uh, oh, is that is that what happened to uh, yeah. Alex Crusoe's butt? So, yeah. So, uh, but <laughs> got it, a when, butt you're, lift. when you're looking at this, and got the Kim K special at, right there, <laughs> and you and you look at these rosters, I think I think there's no doubt that when it comes to the Lakers, uh, most of the Suns. Uh, top five guys, uh, maybe even top six, depending on what you feel about Cam Johnson, uh, could have had an impact with the Lakers. I, I mean, if you took, and this is a big if, if you took LeBron and KD away and you played this Suns team versus what was left of that Lakers team, I, I don't think many people would argue that the Suns were uh, better than that group that they have. It's on fortunate that they have two of the best players in the league uh when you look at miami uh, i think obviously devin booker's a no-brainer i mean he would he'd be starting for that team i think mikhail uh, was a great call uh, by saul uh look at that i'm rhyming now uh, fun times uh and you know deandre is a toss-up he obviously wouldn't start for miami he would be uh the best uh the best center on the Lakers, if you don't count AD as a center, which I don't. Uh, but you know, this is all well and good to debate this. But the the fact is, when it comes to the Suns roster, the key is always going to be uh, finding chemistry and DeAndre Ayton turning into uh, an actual star. If uh, if they hope to get to the level that we're seeing with Miami and LA, and, and Miami is an interesting case because that is almost completely chemistry that I think has carried them this far and 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 a byproduct of the bubble in part because I think that galvanized that group much like it did for the Suns uh, in their time uh, in the bubble as well so uh, the culture is a huge key and that's what Pat Riley and Eric Spolster have been so good at building in Miami in which the Suns are in the infancy of building uh, in Phoenix. So it'll be interesting and fun to watch how that plays out over the next few years. I have a question for you guys outside of Devin Booker, because that's the obvious one. Would you have trusted any other son to shoot from the top of the key like Danny Green last night? Or who, who would you have trusted? Look, are we talking oh, as wow. wide open as Cam Danny Green Bronson. was? Yeah. yeah same, same exact situation. situation. Same exact uh, situation. Rubio, uh, I would have. I would have whoa, 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 what? If you look at what Rubio did in the bubble and situations yep. like Danny Green had, where he was that wide open, Rubio knocked those down. I would have trusted him to do it. I would have trusted McHale, and eh, maybe not McHale. I would have trusted Cam Johnson. I probably would have even trusted D. You would have. Tra- you would have trusted Cam Johnson over McHale. With oh with yeah, the way, yeah, my, yeah. Cam Johnson has been pretty much automatic in uh, in uh, his shooting. I mean, he was in that forty percent range from three point. I mean, he's he's a guy that that is his specialty. I would have trusted him wide open like that. Yes, I mean, if we're talking guy guy in the face, I'm I'm only trusting Devin Booker. But, but we're talking situation. fourth quarter but, of the NBA Finals with seconds left. That's yeah. the other. That's the obviously the other element, not just a wide well, open three, right? So well, I don't. I mean, I don't, in the fourth quarter, like you know, that butthole so gets a little tighter. You know versus taking a chance with, I would have in that final possession. Uh, with the chance to be the guy who swings out to the top of the key, because obviously everything everything unfolds as it's happening out there. I would have I would trust Cam Johnson 
I, I'm not saying he would make it, but I would trust Cam Johnson because his release is so pure that he can do it without thinking. I would trust Ricky Rubio, who made 42% on catch and shoot threes this year. Um, the dude knows if he's got time to wind up, you give him time to wind up, he can drain that shot. I'd, I'd rather him in the corner, though. He was better from the from the wings in the corner. Um, and obviously, Devin Booker on that catch um, would, would be a guy I'd trust. Um, Mikel Bridges, I don't actually trust him because he would overthink that moment. He would have taken all that space, all that space that Danny Green had, and put the hitch right back in his shot. So, look, <laughs> I, I love Mikel but he overthinks it when he has too much space. I would actually have Mikel on a catch and shoot with somebody in his face sooner than a wide open one like that. What? <laughs> uh, no, so no Kelly Oubre from either one of you guys, huh? Oh, you know, oh, oh, I totally forgot. No, no, I would definitely give it to Kelly Oubre. <laughs> that dude, that dude made 48% on clutch threes this year. 48% on clutch threes this year. I would, I would, I would give it to him. And it'd be a 50-50 shot. So, yeah, there's there are several people I would give that shot to. doesn't mean they would have made it. If Duncan Robinson can hit – Duncan Robinson missed an open three at one point last night. And there's nobody on him, and he had too much time to think about it. Everybody misses sometimes. A uh, few people miss as badly as Danny Green on that one shot. I don't know what happened to him. Um, I don't know. But the irony is Danny Green had been clutching and, and had been yeah. in previous – He's got a career uh, of clutches. Yeah. yeah. Actually, uh, who was it? Uh, sorry, Espo. Who was it that? Uh, oh, who's the what? guy that blocked all of us because he wanted Danny Green over uh, Devin Booker? Danny Larue. No, uh, no. no, Nate Duncan. Excuse Nate me, Nate Duncan. Yeah, like, look, I Danny Green. It, that I think that just shows uh, a the pressure of the moment, but but b. Uh, how it can at any time. I mean, even if you shoot forty percent. The math tells you 60% of the time you're still going to miss that shot. So, uh, like, I, I think I think that's what everybody forgets is even great shooters more like are more likely to miss than make. And that's, there's the, a, that's the craziest. But there's a reason why Danny Green is trending just about every Lakers game, and it's because he has been so awful in the finals. Yeah. Like he is just he has been getting dragged all over social media because he can't throw a rock in the ocean. And last night when he hit that three in the corner – I was like, oh, I forgot what that looked like for him. You know what I mean? Because it's been so long. Yeah. Well, look, I, I think uh, I the thing that bothers me, is, and, and we'll get back to the Suns here in a second, but the thing that bothers me is people ripping LeBron for not taking the shot when he made the exact right pass. That is the, the right basketball play uh, when you get double teamed the way he did. He found the wide open man, and it's the same thing that Jordan did with Paxson, you know, what the Bulls did with Paxson, that Jordan did with Kerr later on. Like You find the open man and you trust that the guy is going to hit the shot, right? And that's uh, that's to me the sign of a mature uh, a mature star. It's the kind of thing that Devin Booker uh, has gotten better at with Monty Williams. It's it, it's making the smart basketball play, it, it's, and and he did that. Even even though Danny Green missed, it was still the right basketball play. It's the right basketball play, one thousand percent. And you know, and you guys know me. Like I don't know if you follow me on social media, but I don't think LeBron is the goat. I don't think he'll ever be the goat. You know Ooh. how that goes. Number two, um, it was absolutely the right play. So the fact that I'm defending LeBron should say a lot. Uh, it was the right play. Mm -hmm. Now, was it the best play? No. Like I, I wholeheartedly agree with everybody else that he should have. He should have forced the shot. I don't care what it is. He, he was able to force back. every other shot that quarter. Yeah, and so like, but but it was the right play. He had like four dudes converting on him or converging on him. He throws it out to Danny Green, who's wide open. Um, I even had somebody say, why didn't Danny Green pass a KCP? I was like, because there was like 15 foot of space in front of him. Like, what do you want him to do? He he needs to take that shot. It's $14 million a year. You're a pro paid professional. You cannot hit the front of the rim. That is an ultimate choke job. And you know how you can tell it was an ultimate choke job? Because when he releases, he already had kind of like a, a bend in his arm anyway. It was far more pronounced uh, when he released it. That just means he got a little tight. And uh, yeah, no, no, no dice there. 
look, he he is the happiest man in the world that Mark Keith Morris is uh, not the brightest individual on the planet. Uh, because I don't think anybody remembers that. No, uh, people have forgotten that Danny Green missed because Mark Keith Morris kind of only here jumped and just threw <laughs> hey, it out of bounds. Only like, here. Everybody's you dragging share that tweet from ryan mcdonough oh, on the show. Can you do i, I will, a share find, live I will pull that up here but yeah, yeah look when when we're talking about uh it just it just boggles my mind that that danny green and his miss has been uh has been basically forgotten because markeith morris made such a bad play like <laughs> it was and i don't know why i'm shocked that markeith morris made a bad play i mean we have seen that time and time again here in Phoenix. Like it's not, it's not a shock that Markeith Morris made a bad play. What's a shock is that he had the opportunity to do it on the biggest stage in the NBA in the biggest moment that they've had in terms of, uh, of this finals. Like there's no doubt that, uh, that you're not going to, you're likely not going to have uh, a, a, bigger moment or there wasn't a bigger moment up until that point and this is, uh, this is as dave mentioned ryan former sons gm ryan mcdonough who inherited markeith morris when he took over the job but then said that markeith morris was one of the best players on the suns during that 2015 meltdown trade deadline and still said we got markeith and then traded markeith's brother and then watched markeith tank a whole season and basically put the final nail in ryan mcdonough's coffin I don't hold on a second. Ryan McDonough awesome. got a lottery pick out of that guy after he wasn't playing at all and had a disastrous season and proved you're that right. And that turned fired. into Marquise Chris really quick. Hey, I'm oh. the point. The point simply is somehow he got a lottery <laughs> pick out of a guy that, that that was a head case and destroyed the chemistry of a team and is now uh, chucking he basketballs did. out of bounds. But, in but the, look, uh, let me let me put the other side of that argument out. He waited eight months to get that lottery pick, and he kept play, He kept Markeith Morris on the team, and had a coach that would actually support Markeith Morris and and appreciate Markeith Morris and try to get Markeith to play hard. Um, and uh, so he had. To, uh, there was so much going on with Markeith staying too long on that team, and then he goes around and uses that lottery pick. Uh, plus, look, he ended up using the pick that that he got for trading Markeith Morris eight months too late. The pick that he got for trading Marcus Morris eight months too early um, because Marcus Morris was just a throw in uh, two years later, second round pick that he got for him to make, to find a uh, cap room and the pick he got for Isaiah Thomas to trade him away because Isaiah Thomas was, was dusting up the locker room a little bit. All of those assets plus Bogdan Bogdanovich, Look, All that was used to get Marquise Chris. So look, sorry, I look, can't give. Him we're not. Time. We're not doing the trial of Ryan McDonough again. We did that <laughs> in the in the quarantine. I don't yeah, have I my suit. I don't have my suit readily available. All, all right, right, all right, uh, that's fine. But 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 look, uh, you know, with with Marquise, and I've told this story. I'll tell this story again. The deadline that he got traded, there's three minutes left in it, and we are gathered in in a room at 201 Jefferson uh, being told by our, our PR uh, people, uh, actually, uh, that you have to find a way to spin that keeping Markeith Morris is what's best for the team and that this is the, the, this is the correct move to make is keeping him long-term. They told us there was no trade. Uh, that 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 was the line that we were towing, and and it was it was interesting to watch within within a minute of I think it was within a minute or two uh, of that deadline that uh, Woj breaks that they they've traded him. It caught everybody in the building off guard because nobody thought any other team would take. Are you talking about Mark trade deadline twenty trade deadline? Yes, when they dealt Markeith. Okay. Uh, so that was uh that was that was a, <laughs> a unique thing. Look, I I. I know I have personal bias against Markeith Morris, so I enjoyed that moment more than uh, than I probably should have. But I mean, uh, there is just nobody when you look at uh, uh, when you look at that play objectively, even that can say that uh, that Markeith uh, made anything close to to the, a basketball uh, move. He didn't even he he couldn't decide whether he should shoot 
or who he was trying to pass to. You look at screenshots, LeBron is wide open. I found it entertaining, and I'm sure the rest of the Suns fan base did as well. But that is enough Lakers talk because, honestly, I'm going to puke if we talk any more about L.A.'s uh, most beloved team uh, because this is a Sun show. So let's move on to something that may have made some people feel queasy but shouldn't. Devin Booker sold his home uh, in the Valley for, well, I believe it was $3.45 million. How did you get uh, that number, Greg? There's uh, only 15 different articles with that number in the in the freaking article <laughs> title. I don't know. I, I didn't my, actually I, read I, any I, of the Google articles. Phoenix Suns, and it's like, what? look, uh, 3.45 million. The best part of the whole thing, though, he gave the assist to his brother, who uh, yep. who is now was his real estate agent. So that is one heck of a. Here's a here's some cash, yep. bro. Uh, enjoy enjoy the commission on three point four five million dollars. That's that to me. That's the biggest part of the story now, because selling of the house means absolutely nothing. Devin Booker is not going anywhere. Right, exactly. So uh, next what, segment, let's move. No, I'm just next. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the Espo segment. Um, like no, dollar so, commission right there, man. That's a big commission for his brother. Yeah, he's setting 6%. his brother up. Mm, yeah, I know. Pretty good. Now, the original the house was originally purchased by Booker in 2017 for only two hundred thousand dollars less than they sold it, which is interesting because the real estate market is pretty darn hot right now. Um, the one thing that's going well in one of the few things that's going well in today's economy this summer during the pandemic and all that is that because people can't spend all their money on lavish things and entertainment that they're actually doing house either renovations or purchases. So the real estate market, residential real estate market is way up. So I was surprised actually Booker didn't get they originally, they, uh, yeah, he just bought a more pimped out joint blaze. Yes, exactly. Um, like he, 8, uh, million, 8 million, right? Yeah, yeah, or ten, or something like that. He, maybe, he maybe it was, maybe it was ten, but he got it for eight because the real estate market at that price range, maybe, maybe. Yeah, it must lower. be that out of my price range, the real estate market is not as hot. We're, right we're in the market, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're, te- you're telling me million dollar <laughs> listings aren't as high as they used to be. That's uh that's unfortunate. Uh, for, like, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Good for good for Devin, but yes, he he uh, he upgraded. He just wants his privacy, and so he, now obviously we're not going to be sharing all those details. <laughs> we don't then we don't even have those details. But I heard from several people that uh, he's doing just fine. Uh, he originally put this house, the three point four five mil house, on the market six months ago. It came up during All Star Weekend. If some of you um, have that kind of thing in your memory, um, he he listed it ahead of all-star and people thought, Oh, he's going to leave now. And he never left. And he's very happy. He's not going anywhere. Oh, hold on. He wants, he wants more privacy. Did he, he wants more privacy. Did he buy an invisible house? What the hell does that mean, Dave? Yeah, when you're, yeah. when you're an NBA no, because, player, there no, is no more privacy. Specifics here. They're not yeah. advertising. No, no, they're just uh, not advertising where <laughs> he lives. Cause you Look, don't want people following you home and stuff. Does he have like a hidden like cave that he can drive into to disappear <laughs> Ooh, and go to cave. his, you know what That's I mean? Awesome. Like, <laughs> Look, there, uh, up right under South Mountain. That's, That's right. it. I, I love That's that it. Dave says he wants more privacy. Yet we're sitting here breaking down his real estate uh, <laughs> purchases and sales, like well, as if this is normal. Didn't want me to talk yeah. about this. Like, like I mean, seriously, as if this is normal. I don't care that Devin Booker sold his house. You know, like like I said, the most interesting thing to me is his brother making some money off of it, and that's not interesting. Like, I don't know why people yeah. get so obsessed with these fringe things. Just like him going to Idaho with Kendall Jenner. I could not care less what Devin Booker does with his free time. As Who else would you rather up- go to Idaho with? I mean, come on. <laughs> I wouldn't go to Idaho with if with you gave the me, and if you gave me the Look, choice I would go of anywhere with Kendall being. Jenner. I'll tell you that first. I, <laughs> amen. It doesn't matter where that is. I, wherever she wants to go. Idaho? Focus. I love Idaho. There we go. I love Focus. Idaho. I'm all over My Idaho. My favorite place. Coeur d'Alene. Let's go, baby. I, 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 think you can, I think you can tell the two men who aren't married, uh, this guy can't can't be saying those kind of things I'm for his engaged, own safety. Man. Ask, bro, you'd I, be like, business trip. 
Gotta I, go, babe. I'd, be, I'd be living in this padded closet if uh, if I were to say what those two gentlemen said. But look, I don't I just the point being, I just I don't as long as Devin Booker shows up uh, whenever the heck this NBA next NBA season starts and he plays like uh, like the madman he played like in Orlando. I don't care what he does. He literally could do anything this off season and I don't care. And, and it's crazy to me that we've gotten to a point that there, every little thing is under scrutiny for all of these guys. Like I, you know, Dude, especially when it comes to the stars podcast year round, the Suns aren't playing for six months. We have to talk about something. Look, we can break, <laughs> we can break the, down a million things, not the real Knicks, estate. The Knicks absolutely want us to talk about this because they absolutely, yeah. I mean, you talk about, a franchise that thinks that they're going to yeah. get they're almost worse than the Lakers in terms of thinking they're going to get star players and they have nothing nothing to offer outside of being in New York City that is it I it's just it's unbelievable you know, they, and, the, every, and the Lakers are so lucky that LeBron wanted just decided out of the blue to go there the Lakers weren't recruiting anybody yeah. by themselves LeBron just wanted to go to LA yeah, because that's where all the money is, and that's where yeah. all the the fame and commercials and and his production for oh, his, yep, you know, to, you know, okay, his okay. production team we and stuff stop like that. Talking Lakers here. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the Lakers but, panel. But, but the correlation was that Leon Leon Rose was you know was Devin Booker's agent. He took yeah. the the gig out in New York, and so now everybody's assuming, oh, he sold his house. He that must mean he Leon Rose is working some deal, whatever. Like, shut the hell up and move on. Everybody, right. look look right here. I'm going to say this and I'm going to make Please. it very clear. Tell him. Devin Booker is not going anywhere unless the Phoenix Suns do something colossally stupid, which we know is it's something that has happened for. in the past. Yeah. But yeah. I have faith that this regime isn't going to do that because they're they're solid. They got a good coach. They got they got their head screwed on straight. But look. Devin Booker is not going anywhere. He wants to be in Phoenix just because we have had bad relationships in the past. Things that haven't gone our way does not mean that's what's going to happen in the future. So let's sit down. We'll have our group therapy session here and it's all going to be all right. Devin Booker will be a Phoenix son for a very, very long time. Now, now that that Espo just said that and you're all nodding your heads, uh, do us a big favor, hit that thumbs up button while you're here. That really helps us with the old algorithms with YouTube. Um, you you could do the join if you feel like throwing some cash our way and being a flaming baller. You're certainly welcome to do that. Uh, we're always open. Uh, we've got, always got that tin can out looking for looking for change. So uh, feel free to do any of that stuff to support the show. Um, but we love you here whether you donate or not, so don't worry about it. Um, I, love, I love that Dave is now pandering uh, people. <laughs> well, because Tim isn't here anymore and Espo's forgetting. So I'm not forgetting. I just, I have to, I have to do every other thing. It was on the screen earlier. So yes. Okay. Hit wait. the like. Hit you don't, the you can't have it both ways, Espo. You can't say stuff. I have to do everything. Oh no. And then when I do something, go <laughs> Dave sucks because he did. Hey, look at that. I forgot that I have the Tony reality power on this show and I can mute Dave's mic. <laughs> So I can do that. So Dave, next time uh, you want to you want to interrupt, just remember. Shut your mouth when you're talking to me. This man's got the power <laughs> right here. And so, Dave, you're unmuted. I, I apologize. That was childish on my part. You, uh, you, I, I will try not to do that again. All right. I feel like I'm married again, man. Hey, Jesus uh, Christ. Well, hey, <laughs> this is probably the longest relationship you've had with somebody in their late 30s in a long time. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> no, you. Uh, anyways, uh, enough on uh, Dave's love life and yeah. Devin Booker's uh, right, off-season uh, escapades. <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, Devin Booker on the court. All right, uh, that we've established yeah. he's not going anywhere. But now let's talk about Devin Booker's future. Should Point Book make a return uh, in the next year or so? Is is Point book is Devin Booker at point guard. The answer once Ricky Rubio uh, it is uh, either his contracts up or he becomes less efficient than he was this last year. Dave, this was your topic. So why don't we start there? Okay. So the first, first things first, I've always been uh, uh, against 
uh, point book because I saw how it was wearing down Devin Booker. Um, so when he was younger, when he was 20, 21, 22 years old, he looked like the as soon as he got five, six games into playing uh, point guard most of the time, he would just wear down. There's a lot of responsibility around being the point guard. And it's not just calling out the plays and stuff, but it's taking the um, immediate defensive attention. You don't get to warm up into a uh, possession without having somebody in your face trying to take the ball away from you. So uh, that that did wear Booker down. He got nicked up a lot. He spent a lot of time, even if he was playing, nursing some kind of injury when he was point booked. However, he's now 23 going on 24. He'll be 24 um, all next season. Uh, he may uh, later this month, I think he turns 24. Yeah. So he's going to be, he's growing into his man body as he's always talked about. I got to grow into my grow man body. He's getting in there. You look at the NBA finals, you got Jimmy Butler doing most of the point guard duties for the heat and he's doing, and, and he can hold up. He's got the full grown body there. You've got LeBron James all season being the point guard for the Lakers. Um, you can have supporting characters. You can have secondary playmakers and all that stuff. I am more interested than ever in seeing a point book lineup. We don't. You don't need to have the full point book in your starting lineup. Even Miami, they start Tyler Nunn, um, or they and they've also got obviously Goran Dragic when he's healthy. And the only reason Jimmy's doing all the point guarding is because Goran Dragic is not healthy. Um, yeah, you have a point guard out there. You have a Ricky Rubio. I loved having Ricky Rubio. The reason Devin Booker got more efficient this year was because Ricky Rubio took a lot of the responsibility of running the team, and Rubio is really good at it. You want to have another point guard on the team, but if your scheme, if your team building is around there only being um, you know, Ricky Rubio as he fades into the into this into the moonlight or whatever it is in the sunset, point book can take over most games, especially in important crunch time. Fades you, into the moonlight. Yeah, yeah. Fades yeah. into the moonlight. <laughs> you should hey, write this Hallmark Everyone's gonna pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Saul? What do you think of point book? Uh, I absolutely hate point book. I do not like it. I hate every second I watch it. I don't think it's very good for the team. What I think is wow. uh, point book in spot situations, bringing the ball up every now and then. Cool. That's fine. That's not really point book. Like when we talk point book, in my estimation, it's, you know, at least like 25% of the time or more, he's he's running the offense from beginning to end, right? I don't like that at all because I just feel like it just wears him down. Even when you watch Jimmy Butler, watch him last night, that guy was exhausted in the last six minutes. So yeah. was LeBron. And those two were trying, and those two are like the best in the world, you know, two of the best in the world. Like, I just, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't think it, it, it will stand the time. And when we look back at situations where we have star players, the shooters, right? Steph Curry. Still had Clay Thompson, still had Andre Iguodala on the team at the time, multiple other guys, Draymond Green, and they would all split that duty. Devin Booker doesn't really have that on this team specifically, right? He needs those other guys that can run the offense, whether it be from the power forward position, small forward position, or, or other positions. It doesn't matter. He just needs other dudes that can that can come in and initiate the offense. So that's why I'm not a big fan of the, of the point book. I think the Suns moving forward – they need to either, um, you know, develop players that can do that. I think Mikael Bridges down the road could probably do something like that. Um, DeAndre Aiden will never do that because that's just not in his bag. But um, you know, getting guys that can that can come in like Scottie Pippen did that for for the Bulls mm -hmm. a lot. He was actually the facilitator more than than Jordan was in bringing the ball up and doing that kind of stuff. Um, I don't like and, and Devin Booker did a great job in the bubble of getting people involved, and he did a much better job this season than ever before. Like. Absolutely. However, when I watch Devin Booker play, his strength is scoring. And when you're such a good scorer, <clears throat> sorry, if when you're such a good scorer, I'm choked and, up over this. <laughs> I guess you just, um, <laughs> uh, when you're such a good scorer, it's hard to really get your mind around the fact that somebody else is a better option. And I think that's what gets Devin Booker in trouble from time to time is that he knows he's the best option to score. So it's hard to give that ball up as as early in the in the system or in the in the playmaking process as he should to get other people involved. And I think he did a better job of that in the bubble, but he still has a little bit of ways to go. So point book, I'm not a fan. 
Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, Saul. I, you look at it, and everybody will point to James Harden being the archetype. Oh, book could be like James Harden. How has that worked for for the Rockets? I, I forgot how many championship trophies they've hoisted since they put that uh, on James Harden and the responsibility with him. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I don't want that much mileage being put on Devin Booker uh, offensively and, and defensively. And, and the secret here, and it's not a secret, is that in basketball the ball finds the best player in an offense. Like he doesn't have to be the guy that is playing point guard uh, to, to make sure the ball winds up in his hands. Uh, somebody in the chat uh, pointed out Kobe was never asked to play point guard. Yeah. Michael Jordan was never asked to play point guard. No, I'm not saying Devin Booker is those two guys, but uh, it, it's a valid point. You don't have to put your best player just because he can handle the ball uh, and, and get assists at the point guard position. It's just, it does not make sense to me. You find a guy that compliments Devin Booker, that can run the offense, that can play quality defense next to Devin Booker, and mm-hmm. and that's where uh, your sweet spot is. You just looked at when when they went from the, the G League group that they had at point guard to Ricky Rubio, the steps that Devin Booker took in his game, the steps that this team took. Uh, imagine if you found the perfect long-term fit next to Devin Booker at point guard, what it could mean for this team. Point book is fine in very short spurts if you need it uh, because there's an injury to your starting point guard at some point for for a brief period of time, but it is not the long-term answer. Uh, it, it leads to injuries. It leads to, uh, like you guys were saying, Devin Booker uh, not giving up the ball necessarily because he knows in that offense he's the number one and number two option. Uh, let's be honest. So I'm all out on point book, and I just I I don't want to see them uh, revert back to that kind of play. One of the things that I think the Suns uh, need desperately in the next two to three years, right? Us as Suns fans, we've been trained to think that the point guard is the end all be all of starting an offense, right? Like we just we've been spoiled with some really good point guards over the years, maybe not the last decade or so but um you know it, it, and so we we think that we need a point guard we need a point guard and i think what rubio proved is that you need you need a point guard yes but you also need somebody that can teach these young guys how to run an offense the right way and i think in the next 2 years when you still have rubio it is imperative for every single guy like a Mikhail Bridges, a Cam Johnson, to really watch, absorb, and learn how Ricky Rubio does what he does. So that way when he's done and he's gone and he disappears into the moonlight or whatever, uh, you know, you you can you can take what you've learned from him and use it as a whole team concept. And I think that's what Monty Williams, you know, it, when Ruki, when Ricky Rubio doesn't play, the Suns shouldn't have such a dramatic drop off. And we do see that from time to time. Like mm-hmm. and so in the bubble, I thought they did a much better job playing without him. Campaign helped a lot with that, but Campaign's not a traditional point guard either. He's more of a scoring point guard, and so I think he can he proved that like they can work together as a whole team as long as everybody is thinking the same way in terms of getting everybody involved and making the right basketball play. So uh, you know we've we've established Devin Booker is good. He's not going anywhere. So that part of our offseason work is complete. Uh, and we don't want to see two two thirds of the panel today uh, doesn't want to see him as a point guard. But that's not the only thing we have to worry about this offseason uh, as Suns fans and looking objectively, if we're able to do that uh, at this roster. The question is, what is the most important position that they have to upgrade at, whether it be via free agency, the draft, or trade Saul, where do you think that this, uh, this team and James Jones needs to turn to uh, position wise to actually take that next step? I actually think as you continue to see Deandre Aiden develop his game, um, especially away from the basket, I think they need another power forward. I think they need somebody that's strong down low. Um, somebody that could really rebound more than anything else. Uh, and give more possessions for guys like Devin Booker and Cam Johnson and and Mikael Bridges and Kelly Oubre. Um, that's where I that's where I would focus uh, a majority of 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 my attention. Um, and then secondary, I, I would say definitely a, a guard, whether it be a point guard or even a shooting guard, somebody that can maybe handle the ball 
um, in multiple different facets, a playmaker of some type. Um, I think those are the two areas that that they're weakest in um, moving forward. Now, I love what campaign brought in the bubble. I, I do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm a, a campaign fan. I like I need to see a little bit more, I think. But what he showed in the bubble, I, he signed me up for 10 more years. I don't care. That that was that was awesome. I loved what he brought to the table. I, th- I love the swag that he brought. I love the fact that it felt like he got a little new life coming coming to the Suns from where uh, from OKC. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big f- campaign fan for now. Um, you know, things are different when you get away from the bubble, uh, as we see, as we've seen. Uh, and so as they move forward, I, I would love, I would love to see the power forward position be addressed, uh, because I just think DeAndre is going to continue to develop, especially away from the basket. Shooting threes is, is definitely in the works. So, um, yeah, that's where I would go. Uh, so, uh, uh, Steve Holler wants us, wants the Suns to lay the wood as I can tell. And he does agree with you to get a big man, another big man. I'm assuming he's talking about Christian Wood. Um, absolutely. Uh, Saul is nailing all the points today. However, I do disagree with him sometimes. So, and on some of these things, not playing DeAndre Ayton in these finals, that's, oh my that's God. reprehensible. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the U of only, A guy hates not wanting the Devin Book. We're not wanting Devin Booker to make any passes ever again. That's, that's just awful. <laughs> Me and DeAndre Ayton are best friends. Stop. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, man. Dave, and now saying question, that, that the Suns now saying the Suns got to go back to, to 90s basketball and have as many big men as possible is just awful too. But no, I'm just giving you a hard time, Saul. Um, I am. Yeah, you, I am you really, really need to explain that to him. I'm sure he didn't answer. <laughs> you were giving him a hard time. I am really um, uh, uh, intrigued by the Suns actually going with the not small ball. I'm not a big fan of small ball. But you don't need to go bruiser ball either. I think Christian Wood would actually be mostly um, – I, I could be wrong when I say this, and I, I totally admit it. I think he'd be more likely it'd be Aiden or Wood a lot of the times, not both at the same time. I think the Suns were – I know the Suns were uh, most effective this past season when they were playing a smaller guy at power forward who could shoot and defend and switch because the NBA these days are, is all about switching on defense and the more you can be, you can get more successful, the more you can switch. And so I would have more of a, just a, a little bit bigger, but still mobile and defending um, guy that at power forward um, that can play some of those power forward minutes a little bit bigger and more athletic than a cam than a Mikel and a Kelly. So I would actually double down on that. And um, I I'm still, I'm all in on Jeremy Grant being the guy that the sun's target in the off season as a power forward, but as a, as a mobile power forward who could also switch on to threes and twos and, and fours and, and just about anybody on the floor. Um, I wouldn't go with a bruiser. Um, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, of, the Twin Towers, even though um, the Lakers are using big ball to actually win this finals, and they'll probably be back close to it next year doing the same thing. Uh, Big ball never did die, but I would definitely um, visit the kind of the Miami model where you've got the really mobile um, guy who can can switch at center, and then you rotate a bunch of like-sized people around him. And so you're never too small and never too big and plotting. That's what I would do. I, I, I think power forward is the obvious place you can upgrade. Uh, even even if you keep Dario Saric on a team-friendly deal, I think he's better in that bench role like he played uh, in the bubble where he can, he can be a facilitator and you can kind of run an offense in part uh, through him. Uh, he's not the answer. Uh, uh, Cam did great in the bubble, but long-term, uh, I don't know that he's the answer. And Kelly, as I've made very clear, I don't think makes it through the offseason with this team. So he's obviously mm. not the answer uh, at power forward. Now, I don't understand the love for Christian Wood, right? Uh, I, I don't get it. This guy has been on four teams in three years, uh, has only shown flashes, and and played well for a very bad team in the second half of the season in Detroit. I'm concerned that this guy is a good stats, bad team guy that's going to get the bag and then isn't going to play well again. And if if there's one thing the Phoenix Suns cannot do is they cannot spend big money uh, and on a guy 
that does not produce at a, a level higher than than they have produced previously. Because if if you put all your money into Christian Wood, right, this off season, and he turns into nothing better than than a slightly more intelligent Marquise Chris, uh, then you're you're going to be devastated for years to come. These moves that you make this offseason and next are going to determine if you can actually be in the conversation as one of the better teams in the Western Conference. And Christian Wood seems like way too big of a gamble to me because somebody's going to offer that guy uh, a lot of money, major, major dollars. And, and there's just too many question marks. Now, if he lives up to his potential, he looks like, uh, a guy that could be a Maury Stoudemire with a three-point shot, right? Like Which everybody's it. fantasizing about, but I just don't think we've seen enough to to justify spending big money on him. And you can't be desperate this offseason. You have to be smart. You have to find the value uh, and, and find the right fit with that value. And the big swing may not be uh, may not be the right move here. I like three guys, actually. Uh, somebody mentioned Serge Ibaka in the chat, which would be great if they could get somebody like that, somebody that can rebound, somebody that can extend the floor, hit the perimeter shot. Um, I also, and I'm not saying this because I'm a U of A guy, but Larry Markinen hates Chicago. He feels like he's yeah. been overworked, and you know, obviously Tom Thibodeau didn't help the or not sorry, the previous coach, not Tom Thibodeau. That was a long time ago. That was Derrick Rose era. Um, but he he wasn't a big fan, uh, and so uh, he might be available via trade or whatever. And then Kevin Knox, same thing. We want to talk about all this Knicks talk and Booker, but Kevin Knox didn't have a great year last year, but he's a, he's a he's a solid mid-range player. I like him a lot in my estimation and um i think you could get him on the cheap probably if he has another down season or halfway down season here in the next couple uh couple months or the first couple months of the season i should say yeah lowry marketing my my worry about him is that um he'll end up being basically like a frank kaminsky <laughs> um the dude i don't know if he can play enough defense to really be a switchy guy so he might end up with a as a uh, as a backup five but Cr christian like what isn't isn't a defensive stalwart no, christian I, I think wood can go somewhere else i don't like that look, at all. look I, I think yeah. i think if you're no, looking at you marketing or wood marketing has proven himself more in this league than than wood has and wood doesn't fit that defensive bill i know everybody seems obsessed with this with this guy but i dave to your point jeremy grant i think is is a similar kind of guy with as many question marks that you're going to be able to likely get for cheaper than you can get christian wood so if you're yeah. going to make that gamble and he's proven it jeremy. longer and he's yes. proven it longer. Jeremy Grant has been far more consistent for far longer of a time. And he has playoff experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, the, and that's another thing you have to take in consideration. Yeah, he didn't just show up. Like Jeremy Grant didn't just become a playable rotation guy like this. He previously had done so well for OKC in the playoffs as a younger player that he got a three year, $27 million contract um, that he's just now expiring from. So, the dude is a good player. Uh, he is going to uh, get probably 10 to 15 million, probably closer to 15 a year. But I, I think he's worth it. He doesn't rebound well, but he can defend anybody on the floor. He can hit the three. Um, he can drive to the hoop when when his three is closed out on. And uh, he's got that attitude. He's got he's always motors always running. I uh, I'm a big no on Demarcus Cousins. By the way, I saw yeah that I saw in that in the oh, chat. Lord. No. No, uh, sorry, like, guys. Demarcus Cousins. Look, I can jump higher than Demarcus Cousins these days. That's not dude, even the, the thing to worry done, about. With Demarcus is done. He's done. He's done. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing left there. He's done, and he's a head case. And is that really what you want? Uh, what want mentoring DeAndre Ayton is a guy that uh, has has shown how to be a malcontent in certain places. That's like the last thing uh, I think you want influencing uh, DeAndre Ayton is a guy that uh, that could teach him bad habits like that's the opposite of of what you what you had uh, this year uh with with the bigs that were helping him out there so yeah but uh, you don't want you also don't want somebody that's just going to be kind of just blah right like yeah like i love i love kaminsky i think you know from mm -hmm. time to time he shows flashes but at the same time i'm like you know you is that the type of guy that's really teaching deandre aiden anything more than he needs to know like i don't think so 
So yeah. I don't I don't think that's really a, a good good example, if you will. You know that Demarcus Cousins will come here and just completely ruin DeAndre Ayton because DeAndre Ayton is like a simpleton, and all of a sudden he no. can't think for himself. Like I don't I don't think that's the, no, but, the right but we've call. seen we've <laughs> seen here obviously <laughs> we've seen here in Phoenix what the delicate balance of uh, of attitudes in locker rooms. Uh, I want I say. want more attitude here in Phoenix. I, I want, want more attitude. I, I want attitude. I don't want a certain kind of attitude. Bad attitude. More, right we don't right. want the Morai attitude, which is which is what I think you bring in uh, with with certain guys. Demarcus Cousins being one of them. I think Demarcus uh, Cousins gives you Markeith Morris vibes, and that's why you don't want to go that way. Would yes. I be correct in that assessment? Yeah. Yes, a hundred thousand percent. Yeah, like okay. I don't there want anybody go. that gives me Markeith Morris <laughs> vibes. Okay. Hey, you know what? It's or time Marcus for, for that matter. Let's not. Any, let's not any more. Yeah. Hey, hey, guess what, guys? <laughs> it's time for my favorite segment of the show. There we go. Yep. Espo's Big Board. There we uh, go. Most of you probably think this is where I'm going to break down the draft, and you'd be a thousand percent wrong because you, if I broke down the draft, you would not learn anything that you don't already know. It's a bunch be, of guys who were young and now we're coming into the NBA, and that's my draft analysis. But today's Espo's Big Board, we're looking at the top five former Suns, or not top five, top four, and it, even that's kind of a lie, uh, the, the top former Suns to win an NBA championship that I hated the fact that they won an NBA championship. And number one, and this is probably going to surprise you guys, is Sean Marion. And that's not because I disliked Sean Marion. It is, it is simply because Sean Marion winning a title was a painful reminder of the fact that the seven seconds or less Suns never held up the Larry O'Brien trophy, and they should have because for a stretch there, they were the best uh, team in the NBA, and bad luck kept getting in their way. So watching Sean Marion win a title uh, hurt because I am a selfish, selfish human being. And while some people felt good for him that he broke through, all I remembered was the pain that we all suffered through as Suns fans. Yeah. So Sean Marion, uh, the first on that list. I'm going to go a pretty, a, a little pre, uh, preemptive with this next one, but we all know it's going to happen. Let's not Dude. lie. No, no. It's our friend no, Mark Morris. No. Uh, you know what? I no. hope you jinx it. That'd be great I, if you jinx this. I oh hey. I don't think it's possible to jinx this. The Lakers have we're up 3-1. They're up 3-2 when we record this. There is no way in the world the Los Angeles Lakers are not winning the NBA championship. You gotta believe. That, you gotta and that believe. That means that means that we're gonna have to watch Markeith Morris doing his best. Look, I'm I'm like AD. I look exactly like AD with everything I've done, you know, the headband, everything, doing his best at, you know, ignore the fact that I'm Markeith Morris act. Hoist, hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy. And that is going to be painful uh, to watch. And I think we all know that, but at least we got a little bit more, a moment of joy during game five. So the next gentleman <laughs> to win an NBA title that's a former son on the big board. Yeah, we're going here. So deal oh, with it. Oh. It's Robert Ory. Big uh, shot, Bob, when he won with the Lakers after being a Phoenix son, he threw a towel in Danny Ainge's face and basically threw the towel in with his time in Phoenix. So uh, there was not a guy that, uh, that it hurt more watching him have success than Robert Ory, except for this next guy. Robert Ory is a spur winning a championship was more uh. painful than watching him win one as a Laker because of this moment alone where he basically stole the championship opportunity from the Phoenix Suns with this hip check. You could meld those last two players and just call them uh, like Robert Morey because, uh, look, you know, he's, he's got the Mark Morris kind of vibe. Uh, to look, it. look, yeah. you know, I love, the, sure. I love, Nash, Kemp, I love Tim Kempton's look on the sideline, by the way. Oh, I, I thought he was going <laughs> to jump the, the scorer's table and get yeah. mixing it up. Well, not lie. Look, look, sure. Nash embellished that, uh, that flop a little bit. That's like any good hockey guy when they get what they think is a bad check they uh, they they embellish it but it, it it just those were the guys watching win nba championships after they leave 
the Suns that were painful. Now, uh, if if the Lakers win, I'll be happy for Jared Dudley uh, when they win because Jared <laughs> Dudley is a true nice guy, right? Yeah. Uh, we'll root for him in, in anything he does unless he starts a Suns podcast after he retires because I can't root for anybody that that does that uh, outside of us. But uh, and I'm happy that, that LB would... won a ring with Golden State yes. too. Yeah, and that, there's, that there's was going to be my honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been plenty of guys. I'm happy that that one rings. I mean, Steve Kerr is a former son, and I never held anything against him. It was always great to see him win rings as a player uh, and a coach, even though I hated two of the teams that he won rings with. I never held it against uh, Steve Kerr. But uh, those guys, uh, Markeith Morris and, and yeah. Robert Ory in particular, uh, it, it was infuriating. So that the Suns front office from 2010, the last team to make the playoffs, period, for the Suns, their front office, uh, spent the last, the next uh, five of the next seven years in the finals. Um, Kerr with Golden State and uh, David, um, God damn. David Griffin, Griffin with uh, Cleveland, yes. So maybe 2010 was a worse offseason than uh, 2015 trade deadline. I don't know. I I love that the uh, chat, I don't think, uh, particularly had fun with that segment. As uh, <laughs> as Buck Doug says, he's been triggered. Uh, and uh, and Dave uh, David Wigston in the chat says, my blood pressure has spiked. So that's what Espo's Big Board is here to do. It's uh, to uh, provide us with anger it's, or some kind of emotion. It's just a wonderful segment. It's absolutely here to ruin your weekend. It <laughs> is. It, just like this show and uh, and me uh, talking. Just like this show. <laughs> here to ruin your weekend. Here that's Espo's Big Board. We'll be back with more of it next week. Who knows what the topic will be? Uh, we've had top mustaches in Suns history, uh, and now uh, former top Devin Suns Booker <laughs> love uh, interests. No, no, you could do that one no, time. Uh, it, 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 the only <laughs> then people would tune in just for the pictures. The pictures would actually yeah. be positives. Well, uh, we will bring back Kendall or Kendall if we need to talk about that again. If if we need look look, we oh, had a you fun don't want thing. to get in trouble with your spouse. Come on, man, the top Devin Booker love interest that could be that would be a great segment. Uh, no, I'm good. We're at a, we're at a, want the an hour version. and six minutes. We've <laughs> we've talked to the fans in the chat. So uh, we'll bring back the flaming baller sack next week. And for those of you that are uninitiated with the Sun Solar Panel, we call our our supporters that uh, that pay to be a part of the show the flaming ballers. You can do that by clicking the join button here on YouTube or clicking the support the show link in the show notes. Uh, on wherever you're listening to the audio version of the show, if that's the way you choose to punish your ears uh, and not your eyes. So uh, we really uh, appreciate having you all here on the show. Saul, man, it, Saul, man, Saul, good man, book man, however we want to call you. Uh, Saul, Saul, book man. <laughs> Saul, thanks so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure uh, to yeah. have you on the program. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social yeah, media? You can, you can find me at, at Saul underscore Bookman. That's S-A-U-L obviously underscore Bookman like the, it says on the screen. Also, uh, we also do the Total BS podcast. So uh, we would love if some of you guys want to come over and watch us on Sunday nights at seven o'clock on our stream at the Total BS pod uh, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. So I, I uh, highly yeah. recommend the show, but I'd stay away from uh, the next episode if the Lakers close out uh, uh, at, at some point because uh, Saul's co-host is a big Lakers fan. And yeah, huge, huge Lakers, Lakers fan, and I try to smash him into the ground as much as possible, so <laughs> at least there's that. Um, I do. Maybe we need to come uh, there to support you. Have, right. yeah, yeah, you know, any support is, uh, is always uh, yeah, wanted, so. Yeah, so so go follow Saul. Check out the Total BS podcast. Make sure to hit like, subscribe, and join for the Sun Solar Panel. So for Saul, for Dave, I'm Espo, and we'll talk to you next time here on the Sun Solar Panel. Ahoy hoy. <laughs>